you going to do this? Let's engage. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Melody. Hey, hey. Last week we had a uh, an entire episode on the Game of Thrones premiere. This week we're discussing San Diego Comic-Con 2017. I can't wait to dive into it. Also joining me, Dan, welcome back. Missed you last week, but um, that is your fault since you don't watch Game of Thrones. I mean, you didn't miss me too much. There was a giant hot dog discussion on Twitter. That's true. That That is true. That is true. I don't know why you do this to me, but you do. <laughs> also joining me, we have Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. <laughs> Great to be here. One of the biggest things to come out of San Diego Comic-Con this year was the trailer for season two of Stranger Things. Now, Mel, last year, you were one of the people who was like, Luke, you must watch Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Luke, you mm-hmm. must watch Stranger Things. And you were not wrong. It was amazing. The season two trailer looks just as amazing. I cannot wait for Stranger Things to come back. When they first announced that it was coming back, you know, Halloween, October, I was like, this is too long. And it's still too long for me to wait. The trailer, oh my gosh. Clearly the upside down, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched yet. Clearly the upside down is making its return times 10 in the new trailer. There seems to be some new, huge monster type villain that's coming for little will we kind of knew it was coming if you saw the end of the first season where he has the flash of the upside down at the very end so um i'm really excited to see where that goes we saw a little bit of 11 so we know that you know she's somewhere she's probably in the upside down somewhere maybe in a whole other universe or somewhere and we need that kid to come back i love the teenagers um pretty much was what they are now teenagers of the main cast um how they all get along they have really great chemistry i want to see how everything factors in winona Ryder, who was robbed of an emmy nomination i would like to say cannot wait to see what she does in this season and then also you know a little bit more of the young adults um with nancy and will and all them and steve well, I wasn't really much of a fan of. So there's drama that going on there too, but um, I definitely am excited to see where this show takes the season. Dan, when I saw the trailer, all I thought was upside down with a vengeance. What did you think? I am so pumped. October cannot get here soon enough. Seriously, I... I am so suddenly invested in Steve and Nancy and uh, Will's brother. I can't remember his name. The weird kid that was taking the photos. Um, It's just, it looks epic. The giant monster, the upside down, Winona uh, Winona Ryder's crazy eyes. Just everything about it is so intoxicating. And they brought back like the government watching over. Mm -hmm. They brought back like having uh, David Harbour's character, the sheriff, kind of keeping an eye on uh, Winona Ryder and her family and all. uh, It's just, this is going to be so good. And 
uh, I'm looking forward to it so much. And I'm really, really interested to see uh, Dacre Montgomery's new character that they're adding, uh, because I hear he causes a bit of trouble with uh, Nancy and Steve. Mo, Dan just pointed out something. Why Noda Ryder's eyes? Now, for anybody who might listen to Daytime <laughs> Confidential, I just had a thought. Judith Chapman and Winona Ryder really need to have a contest <laughs> oh, about who Lord. who does the oh, biggest bug eyes and see who wins. I'm not sure that we could easily say who the that winner might be. What did you think of the trailer, Mo? Well, piggybacking off of the uh, DC reference, I was thinking Doom, Darling, Danger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Celeste. I think Wynota can give Celeste a rub. <laughs> there you go. There you go. What did what was what did you like most about, or what intrigued you most about the trailer? Well, again, I think I think it's about the kids. For me, when I think about Stranger Things, when I think first and foremost, it's about the kids and um, them really coming together as more of a cohesive unit. I'm looking forward to seeing where things go. The teen stuff with Steve and all that that gang, I could sometimes it was it it, it was hit or miss. So I was like, yeah, I was very excited to see the upside down. I'm really and of course, why not? I mean, and I agree with you, Mel. She was robbed mm-hmm. last year with the image. But anyway, I am really looking forward to this uh, returning in October and. You know, I usually just watch like one or two episodes or something when it comes out. But, you know, I may have to sit there and marathon. If I don't get through ha- through most uh, all of it, I'll get through half of it in probably one sitting. But I'm really looking forward to it re- returning. Dan, in addition to Stranger Things, there was a ton of trailers that came out at Comic-Con. And Justice League was one of them. Now... I have been very nervous about the Justice League trailer because I don't think Cyborg CGI looks very good. I'm not a big fan. He of... looks like Kano from Mortal Kombat. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Holy cow. I'm just saying. Like, every time I see Cyborg, I'm like, damn, this looks like Mortal Kombat 1 from Super Nintendo Kano. But never mind. Hey, um, I have not played that, so I will let oh you go with God. that. Are you Come sitting on, Luke. Up- Pop culture pop podcast right now. You said you've never played Mortal Kombat. Are you kidding me? I the have heck? not. I've, I've, I've watched some really crappy Mortal Kombat movies, but I no, haven't played the no. game. They were crappy and fantastic, okay? <laughs> okay, I will take your word for it. Ezra Miller is the Flash. I still am not really on board for that. But the trailer came out. It was better than I expected. I'm cautiously optimistic. They definitely put Wonder Woman front and center after the success of Wonder Woman. But at the same time, we have all this news about how the reshoots are being done and how Henry Cavill's mustache is going to have to be CGI removed. So I'm a little I'm still really nervous. Mo, what did you think of this? Like you, Luke, I'm really glad that Justice League seems to be pivoting and making Wonder Woman the focal point. Of at least these trailers, now that her movie is successful. I'm really curious to find out who was Alfred talking to at the very end of the trailer. There are all kinds of rumors uh, uh, running around about, uh, because there was like a tint of green, um, possibly is it a green lantern? You know, is it Kal-El himself? Could it possibly be that 
there's allegedly like another Kryptonian out there. I'm really curious to know who is this mysterious person. Maybe uh, DC will uh, surprise us and bring in like Green Lanterns, which would be great. Um, you know, but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Like I said, these DC trailers, they've cut some really good ones in the past, but the end product has been hit or miss. It's funny you should say that, Mo. There's there's a shot in, in the trailer where Bruce Wayne is looking at a projection and you see a, a cape from behind and you see like a leg. People are speculating that they're introducing a Supergirl to the DC movie universe. Yep, that's what I had read yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, and everyone's speculating like, okay, Chloe Grace Moretz, or maybe it's another actress, or you know, they're they're throwing out all of these names for possible blondes that could be in that type of role, and it's just it's really interesting how much they want to go after the the television universe because they announced this week also that the standalone Flash movie is going to be a Flashpoint, and so I'm just kind of like I cannot deal with this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is foolishness. The fact that we have to deal with Henry Allen in prison again in the Justice League movie is bananas. I don't care. Oh, gosh. See, there's as much as I enjoy the Supergirl TV series, Lisa Vandervoort is always my Supergirl in terms of TV. And so I'm like, if she would just show up in the movie and we get one of these TV characters in the movie, I would love it. Mel, uh, what did you think of the Justice League trailer? Um, I am cautiously optimistic because, honestly, after I finished watching it, I was like, oh, God, I hope this doesn't end up like Suicide Squad where there's all this <laughs> hype and you finally get to see the movie and you're like, oh, damn, I paid money for this. I, it makes me a little worried, but I, anytime we get to see Wonder Woman doing her thing, I'm excited. And uh, Jason Momoa with the blue context, um, hello, yes, Jesus here for that so i mean we'll see how this story goes like mo said i am interested to see who is talking to alfred at the end because there's a lot of mystery behind that uh, and then i want to comment on the whole henry cavill having to have his mustache and then not have his mustache why didn't they just give him a fake mustache for mission impossible it's like it just doesn't make any sense to me like, why does he have to keep his real mustache and then spend all this money to CGI it out of another movie? He He's a method actor, apparently. Oh, my well, God. That is the dumbest shit. I'd be like, you can method your ass on this f fake mustache today because I'm not doing that with him today. It's so stupid. You're costing people extra money for no reason. I'm sorry. Not well, I heard he was contractually yeah, he's obligated. Yep. That's what Obligated yeah. to keep the mustache. He, I mean, really? he. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Mission Impossible 6 is, um, like, their Paramount. studio is the ones that are like, no, you must keep this mustache. Well, Do we really it, need a Mission Impossible 6? Was that necessary? The last That's Tom Cruise. The last one was an improvement over earlier ones. That, we like, didn't even need, we honestly, we didn't need anything past Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> shots fired. Anything <laughs> past that. Shots fired. I, I just want to know, like... We've seen in the comics Superman with facial hair. 
We've seen yeah. him come back and like he's a he's got a grizzled beard or he's got a weird mustache or something like that. If you're going to bring him back from the dead in this movie and it looks like you are based on all of this, like the material that you're advertising with him right there with the cast. Why? Why not bring him back with the mustache? Well, I think it, there's maybe a difference between a mustache and like a beard. If he'd come back with a scruffy beard or something, it would make it look like it might have been growing while he wherever he's been. Whereas a mustache implies um, taking care of things, which is a little bit different, at least in my mind. But a trailer that was taking care of things that people really seem to enjoy was the Defenders trailer. The series is premiering this uh, coming up in August on Netflix. Oh, that um, segue though. I have to try. I have to try. <laughs> um, my what? What? I've read some articles and reviews of early episodes, and I've listened to some podcasts. And there's there's one theme that just sort of keeps coming through about the Defenders is that it's an enjoyable ser- series despite Iron Fist. And I'm like, okay, I'm really hope that Danny Rand is an improvement over the Iron Fist TV series. And I'm encouraged by the fact that every, people are enjoying everything else that's going on. But then we have this wink, weak link in Danny Rand. Dan, what uh, do you have an explanation for this? You know, I don't, but I'm very... I have a lot of hope for this series, especially with the way... Because, yes, Iron Fist was a mediocre disappointment. There's there's no doubt about it. It's it's kind of widely established. But it did fill in some gaps within Daredevil that kind of springboard, like, Elektra's return and, you know, uh, Nobuo's return in season two of Daredevil. This whole idea of bringing people from back from the dead and using this specific blood and... It also can tie back into the Spider-Man universe, which if the MCU was smart, they might go that angle and kind of tie everything together nicely for Homecoming 2, where they can bring back, uh, introduce like a Michael Morbius or something. You know what I'm talking about, Mo? Yeah, but from everything that I've read, they want to keep these Netflix shows, the Hulu shows, separate from the MCU. And... it goes back to that whole warring fiefdom business with Foggy and um, the Marvel Sony? television people. So, oh, okay. Well, the Marvel oh. television people, and there's a there's a war between the the Foggy Marvel MCU folks and the TV folks. Um, it's it's all this political stuff. But anyway, just on the basis of the Daredevil, uh, the Defenders trailer itself, I think it did a really good job of introducing all the characters. But if you're watching this, you're familiar with, you should be familiar with at least three of the four characters, of three of the four leads. I think it did a really good job of showing some sort of them coming together, doing some bit of team dynamics. I, I think it does a good job of setting, raising the stakes and showing what the hand's going to be up to. And, and like you said, Dan, I think it, it, it does a good job. Uh, well, the Iron Fist is, the, some of the information from Iron Fist is critical to understanding possibly the hands in game. Um, but I'm looking for it despite Iron Fist and what specifically what that the, the weaknesses of that actor. I think one of the big problems with Iron Fist was executive producer Scott Buck, 
who fortunately is working on Inhumans at this point. But, and, and consequently, Iron Fist, the second season of Iron Fist is getting a new showrunner whom I have a feeling uh, Sleepy Hollow fans are going to have some access to grind with that individual, from what I understand. But I, I think the Defenders, it being eight episodes, not being 13, will also help keep the, sh- the, the show tight. And I think things will be moving along. And I really am looking forward to the Luke Cage Iron Fist dynamic because I'm a fan of those two characters working together in the comics. Madam Gao is all I have to say. She's in at least four episodes. Mel, what did you think of the trailer? Um, I was really excited for the trailer. I think all the characters um, came across really well. Granted, we've all seen them before, but seeing them together, I think, you know, is a whole different dynamic. Um, I like the way the trailer played the beats of how, you know, we're defending New York and Sigourney freaking Weaver. Yes, please. Um, So I was all about that. Uh, It looks like it's going to be really interesting. And then I watched the uh, trailer for the Defenders after I watched the trailer for Justice League. So I was like, oh, man, this is a much more well put together trailer than the other one. So I'm definitely excited to see where it goes. The Stranger Things uh, trailer may have generated the most buzz coming out of San Diego, but my favorite was the Thor Ragnarok trailer. It was amazing. This looks like it is going to be so much fun, and everyone in it looks like they're having so much fun. Mel, if you have to choose between Thor Ragnarok and Justice League, what would you choose? Right now, it's going to be Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> um, just because uh, we have, you know, two previous movies with that one. So I am fond of those. So I kind of can't wait for that one. But uh, Wonder Woman is kind of hard to beat. Eh, it doesn't matter. And can we talk about the upgrades they gave Hulk? For Thor Ragnarok, like (laughs) I have been dying online all week of them talking about, oh, look at Hulk—he been working out in the gym, got himself a little haircut, got been gotten his manscaping on. I have been dying. It's been so great. Dan, what'd you think? Oh, uh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Uh, It—it kind of—it kind of reminds me that. The the entire MCU it has like this infinite like space and all of these gods and stuff like that, and then you see like Hulk, who's like a for all intents and purposes a science experiment, and he's like, "Whoa, this is crazy! All of these things are going on!" And finally, everyone else is a fish out of water, and Thor is just kind of explaining things, whereas the other you know, other Thor movies where he's made appearances and stuff. It's the opposite. So this is going to be kind of really cool from that perspective. Um, I'm also really looking forward to um, Jeff Goldblum. I think he's going to be so entertaining in his role. It's just going to be great. Um, That and Tom Hiddleston can't go wrong with Loki. You cannot. And Kate Blanchett looks amazing she is epic mo seeing the trailer for thor ragnarok and then having read about what they've teased for infinity war where thor runs into the guardians 
between the Guardians and this Thorth trailer, it's just the Marvel MCU is just going to become this psychedelic head trip. What were your favorite moments from the trailer? Well, I think to me, the thing, the person who stole the trailer from me was the executioner. He um, and he's actually played by Bones from Star Trek, Carl Urban. He is uh, he's the guy with the guns and he's just shooting up things. He's a, he's an old Marvel character called the executioner. He's also called Scourge. Just the transformation when you think about this man played Judge Dredd, he played Bones, and now he's playing this classic Thor villain. He just really stole the show from me in, in that trailer. I love the buddy comedy aspect of this trailer and what the film feels like. I mean, I, I think it, it, it just feels like a fun movie. And I, I think it will be very different than the previous two Thor movies. Um, and I've read somewhere that that this may be a shorter, uh, this may be the, sh the shortest Marvel film yet. And I would be okay with that. I'm fine with that as long as they deliver on the fun and excitement of the trailers that we've gotten so far. I know we've discussed the Star Trek Discovery project on CBS All Access. And the original trailer that came out had pe some people scratching their heads. Um, the new one that came out at San Diego Comic-Con, though, I'm like, okay, there goes my 10 bucks every month for how many ever episodes that is, at which point I will immediately cancel it. <laughs> Mo, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I know we haven't discussed Star Trek a lot on the podcast, but I believe you're a fan. So what were your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I'm... I'm again, I'm taken back with the leads. I'm really glad to see that there are two women of color basically running this mofo. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the connection between the, the title, the lead character, and Spock's father that, they, that they've hinted upon. Um, the clean, here's the thing that got me to... The, the Klingons, the Klingons just look different, and it just, they didn't feel like Klingons. Uh, um, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a story reason why they look a little different, but it could be, you know, they just look different. Uh, but I feel like this tone, the tone of this will be, I feel like it's going to be much more serious than uh, some of the last few shows, at least initially. But I could be wrong. It, it really feels like they're trying to go for a balance between the classic uh, Star Trek shows and what we got in the films as well. Dan, what are your thoughts? For me, I'm not much of a, a Star Trek person. I, I've enjoyed the films, but the the characters and the actors have always been like super like charismatic and entertaining. And they're just kind of like, oh, it's kind of nice to look into this, this world that I know nothing about. Um, I, the trailer looked all right. Um, but not I'll probably... something to get you to shell out your ten bucks or whatever it is, eight ninety nine. Yeah, probably not. I'll probably sit this one out. Okay, Mel, are you on board or sitting it out? I am admittedly not the biggest Star Trek fan, um, so I'm gonna sit this one out. I already have CBS All Access, but um, I mean, it, the trailer looks kind of exciting, but it's just Star Trek's really not super for me. Sorry. Something that I know for that is super for Dan is the Berlanti verse. 
Dan, there was so <laughs> much news. Arrow, The Flash, Black Lightning, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, when Riverdale. I saw, Riverdale. When I saw everything that was coming out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just talk to Dan because and have him sum up everything. What were the biggest highlights for you from the Berlanti-verse at uh, Comic-Con this year? Well, first of all, the Flash trailer made me very angry in that it starts out, <laughs> my name is Iris West, and I was supposed to marry the fastest man alive. First of all, defining your character by the guy you are supposed to marry, negative points for Gryffindor. Oh, I'm serious. That's not okay. Like, Iris supposedly is the person taking over Team Flash, and the trailer is entirely defining her character by her relationship with Barry? Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous! Ugh. And I, I'm excited to see Cisco step up more as a hero with vibe and stuff, and him and Wally seem to be working together, although I don't know how much improvement Wally's made. Hopefully a lot. The trailer didn't really reveal that much in terms of that. I am looking forward to some Supergirl action, though, because they're... Cara Danvers is taking a backseat and Supergirl is taking over. And this should like really, really make things interesting, especially given the fact that Callista Flockhart is back on recurring. So we're the queen is back. Cat Grant. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. That like, as soon as that happened, everyone is just jumping for joy because last season, as soon as she got back, the show got like a thousand percent better. It was, it was just ridiculous. And I loved it. Um, in terms of legends, I'm I'm excited. Obviously, coming off of something as strong as like time kind of folding in on itself, um, but we also have some new villains. Uh, they're introducing uh, Kwasa. Um, Rip Hunters kind of become like a bit shadowy, so he he's got something going on that he's not really telling the team. Um, I'm really excited to see Billy Zane as like this sort of villain anti-hero type character i you see him in the trailer he's like the um the ringmaster when they go to the circus place that's kind of cool i'm interested in that uh but arrow they really are hinting hard at who's gonna die from uh lian yu blowing up and i am not surprised in the slightest given the fact that one of the characters didn't sign on for all of the episodes last season, and the other character only does guest spots on a recurring basis. So, um, we'll see what happens to Thea and Samantha. But Oliver. Speedy Ra- better not be hurt. Speedy better not be dead, is all I'm saying. I'm just saying, Oliver has a propensity of dead family members. That yeah, just... but killing his last family member other than his son, I don't know. Or his stepfather. I, I, I'm just saying, he's still out there. He he came back in season two, and I was just kind of like, oh, that's right. That that was pretty cool. And, I mean, they're still friends, so why not? Um, and I wouldn't mind that, given the fact that Oliver's mayor, and he, he runs the, you know, the biggest bank in... Uh, Star City, it, it makes sense. But needless to say, I'm really excited for all of that. I have no idea what direction they're going to go in in terms of villains. I know Slade Wilson is 
back and has a few episodes. Apparently, he has a uh, a two parter that's heavily focused on him. So I'm really excited for that. Um, that should be really cool. But aside from that, everyone else, I I'm really excited to see Black Siren back full time. See how that relationship develops because from what they understand, they they're gonna keep teasing the redemption. And it's not going to happen, but it, it's just going to constantly be teased and Quentin's going to get involved and that's going to be great. Um, you know, I don't I, I don't know. It, it should be interesting. It It's hilarious, though, that like everyone keeps forgetting that Evelyn is in a cage on Lian Yu when all of those explosions are going on. That's probably not good for for her. But <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And Black Lightning, first of all. The the way that they had the the trailer set up where they were talking about bringing all of the DC comics to life and leading that into Black Lightning is so cool. Uh, you know, I rewatched the original trailer and then watched that uh, the new aspects of this one again. And it's just it, it adds a new layer to the DC Berlanti verse or just they're not. DC isn't necessarily telling this story anywhere else, and it's fantastic that they get the opportunity to do so here. And I'm really excited to learn more about Black Lightning. And I hope that it eventually leads into them introducing Virgil Hawkins. Because as soon as they introduce Virgil Hawkins, all of the 20-somethings like myself will be like over the moon excited because then we get some static shock. Okay. And, oh my gosh, I'm so pumped for that. And obviously Riverdale. We're Things getting more, we're getting more Josie. We are getting more Josie. Josie is joining the um the the River Vixens. And we are they casted was it Tony Topaz? So we're the cast is slowly like getting bigger and forming and there's like they keep teasing in the trailers like dark you know, there's something dark in Riverdale because Pop felt darkness when that guy was pointing a gun at him. Like, Pop was probably terrified out of his mind that he was going to die. What are you talking about darkness? But they keep teasing, like, the possibility of them going zombie. That Like, there's so many possibilities because of the way Archie comics are structured that they can just, like... the The possibilities are really endless. I mean... What, who are the like the newest um, people dropping into Archie Comics are like Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. So it could literally be anything. And I think that's what I really like about it, where like they could spend a season doing like a supernatural story and then dovetail back into, I think my boyfriend is cheating on me. I really think so. Uh, because it just that's just the nature of the source material and these actors can pull it off. We we've seen it and I'm really excited to see more. And I feel like I've talked forever. Mo, what do you think about all of that stuff? Um, really excited for these shows. Just speaking specifically first about the superhero shows. There is just, there is just so much to unpack. Um, you know, as usual, th- those trailers, kind of give you a recap of what happened previously and then kind of kind of get you excited about what's coming what, what to look forward to i am 
like you, Dan, I'm I'm glad that the Queen, Cat Grant, is coming back. Supergirl. Now I want want to know what their definition of recurring is because in see last season they said I don't know what they call her recurring or she was a special guest star. I need to know how many episodes will Cat Grant be in of Supergirl. I need to know that information. I need to know that now. Now, um, moving on to some of the other shows like <laughs> Arrow. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of obvious. As you said, Dan, who's going to make it off Leanne Yu? So uh, <laughs> I'm ho- hoping that we don't end up with uh, uh, Arrow doing Lone Wolf and Cub with Oliver and his son kind of becoming, you know, a quasi Batman and Robin, because I'm not really sure that the show needs to go in that direction. I am looking forward to the Black Siren arc, the rise of Black Canary. Um, there is so many interesting things that that can that I'm looking forward to in, in this next season of, of Arrow. I think it's going to build off season five. Season five did a really wonderful job of rebounding, uh, rebounding the show. And so with regard to Legends, um, you know, Legends, <laughs> I, I'm, cu- I'm very curious about the circus episode. You know, I wonder, like, I think I have a bunch of CGI animals or something, because it, it just, it's like, I always, like, wonder when they jump from one, one, um, one time to another, like, how do they afford the costumes, the background sets, and so forth, every time they make these time jumps? I'm looking forward to the new, uh, the new cast member joining. I read somewhere a little bit about a potential big bad for this upcoming season, which will tie into Vixen. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where they take things now giving some of the, uh, the other things we've been hearing about in terms of uh, casting and villains and, and new characters coming on. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Luke is, Luke is going to be excited, you know, to find out how often we're going to see Rip in season three, especially since he's, he's now quote-unquote recurring too. So, um, and hopefully he shows up as often as Kat did last season. Rip could be there 24-7 and I will be perfectly fine. Nope, nope, nope. Mel, what did you think of the Berlanti uh, verse before we go to Mo and uh, comics? Um, I agree with Dan when he's talking about how they were basically trying to define Iris over through, you know, Flash or who she's in love with. I think that's garbage. She is her own person. Give her the respect she freaking deserves. How about that? Um, I don't watch uh, Supergirl. I don't, I'm still behind on Legends. Um, oh, uh, Riverdale, really excited that Josie is getting the push that she deserves. I talked a little bit about that on the Riverdale podcast. So to hear that they're listening to me, ha ha ha, um, it makes me happy. And they casted, uh, that new girl as well. So I am excited to see a little bit more diversity heading to Riverdale. That's really what I wanted for season two. And it looks like I'm going to get it. So let's do this. Just going off of Mel's point, I had heard that uh, Ashley Murray, who plays Josie, was shooting a movie, possibly at the time. So that could explain some of the gaps in the way that Josie kind of shows up and then goes away and then shows Mm -hmm. up again. Um, But from what it sounds like, 
I'm I, I'm not exactly sure if that story's actually sticking or they couldn't find a story for Josie because the way the production schedules line up is very suspect. So we'll see. Hopefully, I'm glad they're making changes. There was a lot of comic book news that came out of San Diego Comic-Con. Mo, what were the big headlines from Marvel, DC, and the Independents? So I'm going to start off with the Independents because I, I think they often get overlooked. Probably one of the big things coming out of there, as you all know, I, well, for, for people who are familiar with comics, this, this year is the 25th anniversary of Image Comics. Uh, Image Comics is an independent com- uh, comic company that was founded by several of Marvel's big artists uh, back in the early 90s. And one of those uh, characters named Spawn, he had a, spawned a movie about 20 years ago, I'm not, and it also spawned a HBO cartoon series as well. Now, the creator of Spawn, Todd McFarlane, he's in talks now to bring that character back to the, uh, to the big screen. He plans on directing this film. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see the creator's spin on his character, similar to what Frank Miller did when he when he worked on uh, Sin City, uh, the, the Sin City film. So I, I'm I'm really curious to see where that project goes. From Dark Horse Comics, okay, Dark Horse they're launching a new line called Burger Books. It's being overseen by an old an old and well-respected DC Comics editor, Karen Berger. She helmed the Vertigo line. So people who are familiar with things like Sandman, uh, Why the Last Man, um, those types of series. Um, she had, she left DC Comics a few years ago amidst um, some shakeups in management. So she'll be launching her own imprint. And the books coming out of there, they really honestly feel and resemble the types of things she would have commissioned when she was uh, with Vertigo. Now, the I- irony is is that IDW, now IDW is a comic company that uh, they kind of have the rights to Winona Earp, and they have a um, one of their arms kind of is involved with the Winona Earp television show. So they're also launching another imprint called Black Crown. That's going to be overseen by another former Vertigo editor named Shelley Bond. And like Karen Berger, there's a lot of overlap and similarities between the types of books that they will be publishing. Each imprint, some of them, they're going to launch some stuff later on this year and into next year. There's going to be, they're going to really play with format. So there's going to be some that are going to be OGNs are going to be some mini series, so they're really trying to do different things than what they were doing at Vertigo. Um, if people are interested in non-superhero comics, I would I would possibly check them out. Now, in terms of DC, I really think San Diego, in terms of for, for DC, they really outshone Marvel at, at San Diego. DC is really pushing ahead with this new Batman-centric. Uh, blockbuster storyline called Dark Knight's Metal, which is going to begin in August. And basically, Dark Knight's Metal is there's this dark multiverse in which these, in which there's going to be various worlds where evil Batman rule, and these evil Batman actually are some sort of hybrid between an evil Batman and a Justice League member. It's it's they, the designs for the characters look kind of freaky. They've had two. 
um, uh, prelude comics that have come out in the last couple of months, one called The Forge and the other one called The Casting. Uh, I think if, if, if people who are, who are really big Batman fans would probably jump onto this, um, I think DC is also using the Terrific his own comic series. He's going to be in a comic called The Terrifics, which is going to be a riff kind of on the Fantastic Four. So Mr. Terrific, I think, I think DC's realized that that character is really popular on Arrow, and he had his own comic series a few years ago that didn't do really well, but I think they believe if they put the character in more of a team setting, that that, that, that character may take off. And finally from DC, one of the big things that they're really touting and pushing is Doomsday Clock, which is essentially the uh, DC, the regular DC universe, specifically Superman, taking on Doctor Manhattan from the Watchmen. This has been getting, this has been building up since DC Rebirth started. Uh, this has been getting more steam. It's going to be written by Jeff Johns, who basically has his hands on a lot of DC Comics properties over the years. He's uh, their uh, one of their uh, creative officers. He also works on the, the various Belanti television shows as well in multiple capacities. So that, DC is really getting people pumped up about this. Um, I know it's very controversial because Watchmen tends to be very controversial. Now, Marvel. Marvel is still in the throes of Secret Wars. I think that I personally think Marvel is, is ready for... Uh, not Secret War, excuse me, Secret Empire. <laughs> uh, I think Marvel's really going to be glad when Secret Empire ends. They don't have to deal with any more Hydra Cap business. They're going to transition into two different initiatives. One is Generations. One is Marvel Legacy. Now, Generations, it, for people who've been reading Secret Empire, there's a plot point in there evolving like the second Steve Rogers. Um, I, the, from what people have gathered, um, where that second Steve Rogers is located is going to be the catalyst for this Generations comic series, which will uh, pair old versions of characters with their um, new, with the new counterpart, new, with their new, uh, their current day counterpart. So, for instance, the Miles Morales Spider-Man is going to meet with a younger version of Spider-Man. But ironically enough, like Peter Parker and Miles Morales kind of interact on a regular basis. So I'm, I'm really kind of curious to see how they'll make that that series special but for instance x-23 who goes by the name wolverine and she will meet a younger version of of logan so that marvel's got that coming marvel legacy is this new initiative that they have which it really feels more like a sales gimmick than actually anything else they're going to start for a number of their comics, they're going to go back to what they quote unquote call legacy number, which is really new, which is some sort of weird new math on their end. It's really complicated how they're figuring out the numbers of some of these comics. And during this Marvel legacy period, they plan on bringing back some old concepts, old villains. They're going to have what they call the anticular covers, which is this, which is a whole nother mess in and of itself with the cover because the covers are going to be allocated. Not everybody's going to be able to get the, the covers. It, it's really going to, going to be, I think, I think in terms of that, Marvel Legacy, we'll be interested to see where it goes, but their reports that Marvel Legacy is not, is, is really like a, a stopover until they renumber or reboot or something next year. That is awesome, Mo. Um, I 
cannot wait to dive into all of that. And I'm appreciate the fact that you have, because sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming. One thing that was overwhelming was the second episode of game of Thrones melody. What, what were your thoughts on it from the dragon and the giant arrow to the last moments with the big battle at sea? So clearly Cersei is up to one of her old tricks again, because who knew in the bottom of the big castle in King's Landing that there are freaking dragon bones and dragon heads at the bottom. And Cersei is planning to possibly kill one of Danny's dragons. Them's is fighting words. I hope she doesn't do it, but who knows with Cersei? If I've learned anything about Cersei over these seven seasons is that she never gives away her full plan. You might know a little bit about it, but she always going to have something up her sleeve at the end. So I don't, I don't really know what she's planning. Um, let's see. There was also a lot of uh, Winterfell in this episode. Um, it was lots of John versus Sansa over there talking about whether um, John is going to go see Danny and her dragons over in Dragonstone because, hey, they've done this before in the North and it didn't end well for them. So there was a lot of that. And John's like, no, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to talk to him. And Sansa's like, you stupid. Okay. You are so dumb. So she's not I- wrong. <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't know in this case because, granted, history does repeat itself, but I think just for the story, he needs to go and see Danny. And, you know, they're going to have to team up. At some point, Winterfell and Danny are all going to have to team up if they want to take down the Lannisters for real. Like, it's going to happen. And the White Walkers. And the White Walkers, too. Like, but here's, I, here's my question for you, though. Because those scenes, when Jon threatened Littlefinger, there was a lot of react. There was a lot of reaction on social media about how it's not going to be John and Danny in the end, but John and Sansa in the end. What did you think of that? I don't know about all that. I mean, I was totally here for John telling Littlefinger to go stick it where the sun don't shine because he knows Littlefinger is not shit. So I was totally here for that. I don't know if it's gonna be John and Sansa in. I just know that at some point. John and Danny, like, everybody's going to have to team up at some point. Um, And also the big battle at the end where we have Theon, Greyjoy, his sister. He wimped out again. This dude, when I tell you, I sat there and you screamed at the TV. I called him everything but the child of God when he jumped off that boat. I was so mad at him because I'm like, are you kidding me? This is your sister. She's the only one that tried to comfort you and tried to save you when you was off being reek and doing all this, like, and you just do this to her. This is so messed up. Granted, that whole battle between Euron Greyjoy and Theon and the other Greyjoys, like, that was a really great battle scene. Like, wow. Um, So it's a lot going on. There's a whole lot. My favorite moments were, of course, seeing Granny Tyrell. I like when I saw her in the episode, I was like, yes, fist pump. <laughs> um, I love the North with Sansa versus John. John would just save himself a whole lot of headaches if he would just discuss this stuff with Sansa before he has a big old council instead of like announcing it while in council and then her have to push back on it. Once again, John is an idiot. But I was extremely happy because now that he's left Winterfell, Sansa is Wardeness of the North or Queen of the North, depending on how you want to put it. 
Samwell, once again, had the nastiest scenes. I don't know what they're trying to do this season by just giving him the nastiest scenes ever, but he started picking off uh, Jorah's grayscale and the pus, and it, like they used that transition to go to a pot pie. I never want to eat a pot pie again. <laughs> it was just nasty, 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 nasty. Meanwhile, Jamie's in King's Landing trying to convince his allies to off uh, Granny Tyrell. And I'm like, nope, that had better not happen. Because <laughs> Granny Tyrell, of all these characters, like there's a ton of characters, and I expect we're going to have some major deaths. But Granny Tyrell is a sacred cow. Just saying. Cannot happen. Cannot happen. Um, Mo. I know that you haven't watched the second episode, so we just completely spoiled everything for you, but you weren't on last week's podcast. You'd planned on it. What did you think of the season premiere? Well, I think they just literally just more or less picked up the ball and started running with it. And I re it was, it was, it, for me, it felt like, like a, you know, let's kind of reorganize our different houses. You know, we know where everybody's at following the Battle of the Bastards. Let's just reorganize things. I would have liked a little bit more with uh, Danny and her crew. Her just getting home was just enough for me. I agree with you about that Sam business. It turned my stomach. I'm uh, him. It, it, I mean, was it cleaning the piss pots. I mean, ugh. It it, it turned. It really turned my stomach. Then, of course, then the portion when he was like, um. Helping the dude with uh, weighing the liver or stuff. It was just, he did have some, oh, Lord, he just had some gross, gross uh, scenes in that one. But, but overall, I think it, they're really shifting directions. They're, 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 you can see they're ramping up now. And that um, it, clearly people are going to converge, as you all have said. Dan, I want to end this podcast with a topic and go around everybody uh, and get everybody's opinions real quick. A company in Wisconsin is now putting chips in their employees, microchips in their employees so that they can check out food easier and more quickly. When I saw this, I was like, oh, hell no, that is not happening to me. What was your thoughts? My, my thoughts were, I didn't know you were in Wisconsin, Luke. You were... <laughs> Yeah, no, but just this, this, is, this is one of those things that is creepy crawly. One company starts it, and others will do it too. And I'm like, nope, nope. The next thing we know, Amazon's going to come out with chips. And you know what? sad about this next statement? A whole lot of people, if they had the option to just have an Amazon chip in them, would probably take it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jeff Bezos just became the richest man on Earth. Like, the... Oh, Amazon is pushing this? There's nothing wrong that could possibly happen to no, me. I, yeah, Amazon is not the one who's pushing this. But my, my hypothetical was, if that happened, people would sign up. Uh, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, the, the whole microchip thing is super creepy. Like, I, I, I don't know if you've ever, like, been, like, slightly relaxed at work where you're like, hey, let me just check, I don't know the score of the latest sports game or what's going on in entertainment. And all of a sudden your boss shows up and you're like, right, I'm working. That's right. Well, imagine that, but virtually and like as a punishable offense, that seems terrifying. Mel, what were your thoughts? 
my thoughts were absolutely not under any circumstances. Am I going to let this company put a microchip in me? Like this is freaking Skynet from the Terminator. Uh, no, no. I don't believe they're doing that just because it's, oh, it makes it easier to swipe in. Oh, it makes it easier to buy food. Mm-mm. Y'all tracking something else with that. I'm not crazy. No. Just how lazy can somebody be to need a microchip to check out food, Mo? Well, I'm I'm more concerned. Yeah, I, in terms of the food aspect, I'm, they can use that to check 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 you know, check what you're eating, check your glucose level, check all kinds of stuff, and use that to like maybe want to take your take your insurance away. I mean, in addition to tracking where you're at. Yeah, there would be no way. It's one thing to put a tracking chip in a dog, so if they're getting lost, but. If I can't, if I don't have the energy to pull a debit card out or use Apple uh, FastPass or whatever it's called, I don't actually use it. Apple Pay. App, Apple Pay or Android Pay, whatever they're called. If you can't do that with your phone, what is this world coming to? I would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Mel, where can they find you? You can find me at my name at Melody Akles on Twitter. Dan? Real Dan Pierce. Mo? Dr. Mo 77. And as always, you can find me at Luke underscore Kerr. We thank you for listening. Until next time and next week when we'll be able to discuss shows a little bit more in depth because we don't have all San Diego Comic Con to discuss. So long. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye, y'all.